Hi, I'm George, one of the writers here at the Uncommon Commons. I'd like to take a moment to give you just a few brief announcements. First things first, Uncommon Commons now has an official fandom wiki. All transcripts will be uploaded there day of release. For more information, go to uncommoncommons.fandom.com. That's uncommoncommons.fandom.com. Secondly, we'll be taking a brief six-week hiatus starting on April 5th. But before then, we'll be releasing our season one finale. We're making plans to post additional content during the hiatus, including a Q&A. So if you have any questions, please email them to zero nullstreet at gmail.com. That's the number zero, N-U-L-L-S-T-R-E-E-T, at gmail.com. We'll be returning from our break on May 17th with season two. Until then, stay and remember, nothing is real. Uncommon Commons is a horror anthology podcast written and recorded by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Today's story is Foraging, written by George Plank. John? John! Uh, what do you think you're doing? Oh, Jane, I'm glad I got your attention. I've just been trying to spread the message. What message? Well, just what it says on my sandwich board. The end is nigh. Oh, that's what you're going for. I hate to break it to you, bud, but there's no E in nigh. And I doubt the end is nay. That's what they want you to think. But the signs were all there. What signs? It's all here in the literature. I read all about it. John, that's your story. Here, let me read you a selection. Then you'll see. Somewhere in the mountains, just as the sun was rising, birds chirped melodically. A family of deer sipped gently from a slow, flowing brook. Some beams of light crept through the cracks of the log cabin and caused Abner to stir slowly from his peaceful slumber. Abner himself wasn't quite sure how long he had lived up here in the woods. Quite frankly, he saw no point in counting. The lines on his face and the gray to white hairs in his beard did more than enough counting for him. He helped himself to a slice of bread and some homemade jam before beginning his morning constitutional. He had long since built a chicken coop off of the main house so during the cold winter months he could share the warmth of his house with them. He provided them with some of the grains and seeds he found while out scavenging in the woods. In return, the chickens provided him with fresh eggs and the occasional portion of meat which he would then quickly cut and store in the cold room beneath his house. For warmth, he would keep his stone fireplace well stoked with plenty of wood, both dead and from trees he had chopped and split himself. Rain barrels full of water held more than enough for him to drink comfortably after he boiled and filtered them for any impurities. Once his chores had all been finished for the time being, he grabbed a long stick from the side of his house, wrapped a leather cord around his wrist, and ventured into the woods. Slung over his shoulder was a bag which he had fashioned himself out of natural fibers and a handful of other textiles. He searched high and low for any forageable ingredients. The woods usually offered a veritable cornucopia of ingredients. Today was no different. He found wild garlic and onions rather quickly, a couple of sulfur shelf mushrooms, and despite the fact that the first orange leaves of autumn were beginning to take their place on the trees, a handful of blackberries could be found on low-hanging branches. He'll have to wash them carefully to avoid parasites, but it will make for a sweet treat later on. 
His bag was starting to get heavy, so he turned to head back home. Somewhere down in the valley, a klaxon fired off a warning. Abner looked up and saw a flock of birds that had been startled from their perch. Elsewhere, he could hear deer hooves stamping off in different directions. Abner just stood quietly in place. This was not the first time those alarms had gone off near him. They'd been sounding off for years now. Abner didn't know what they meant, nor did he truly care. Whatever they had been signaling hadn't mattered to him in years. After he was sure that most of the wildlife had calmed down, Abner made his way back home. He spent the better part of the afternoon salting and canning and making sure that everything that he had collected was made to last. He had just put the last jar on the shelves of the root cellar when he heard a loud banging on the solid wood door of his cabin. With a deep sigh, he trudged his way up the stairs to the living room. When the door swung open, it revealed a young man who rushed the entrance. Or perhaps he had just taken a tumble. Abner's eyes drifted down to glimpse the sharpened point of an exposed shin bone. The young man was visibly distressed and understandably shaken. He pointed a shaky finger to the door, and Abner nodded it and closed it tight. He assessed the damage to the man's leg and went to the pantry for one of his several first aid kits. This may hurt. The young man looked back through large, glassy eyes. He gritted his teeth and looked back at Abner before fervently nodding and understanding. Abner grabbed the man by the ankle and somewhere close to the knee. In one deft motion, there was a loud crack, followed by a scream. Abner worked quickly to secure the splint and bandage that he had retrieved from the first aid kit. He also applied a warm cabbage poultice and a few drops of castor oil to reduce the pain. He lifted the young man over his shoulders and moved him to an open chair at the dining table. The young man assumed that guests must have been few and far between up here, because the mere act of him sitting down caused a small cloud of dust nearly making him sneeze in the process. Abner poured the two of them a glass of some deep red liquid. The concoction was sweet and fruity with a bite of alcohol. Here, have some strawberry wine. It'll help take the edge off. Before Abner had even said what the drink was, the young man had finished off his glass. Abner chuckled a little and slid him the other glass, too. The young man, hit with a sudden wave of self-consciousness, took to sipping a little of this one before finally speaking up for himself. Thank you. I'm Elliot, by the way. Abner. Thank you, Abner. I'm glad there was someone out here. His eyes went from the wince of pain management to wide-eyed curiosity. How long have you been up here? A couple years now, Abner growled out. So, you don't know? Afraid not. I'm not what you'd call connected. I haven't seen a city in almost a lifetime. There aren't any cities anymore. At least, not like... Ah! He had been so taken aback by the mere possibility that Abner was unaware that he had risen to his feet and was on the verge of teetering back. Abner was at the young man's side in an instant. He steadied him and lowered him back down into the seat. The man started again, now with tears in his eyes. They're all gone, man. Wiped out. Wiped out? By what? Shamblers. Zombies. Whatever you want to call them. A while back they just showed up and now... And now we've all been going by the wayside, hoping to restart something that resembles a civilization. Abner stood and made his way to the kitchen. The sound of knives and a wood-burning stove simmering something soon filled the air. One of the members of our group heard a rumor of a new society being built somewhere in the mountains. He went on ahead, and we hadn't heard from him in weeks. We split up to cover more ground. I heard the loud siren firing off. I thought that may be the signal from the new society. Turns out that a bunch of the turned were also drawn by the loud noise. A horde tried to get at me all at once. 
I'm lucky to have escaped unbitten. I was scaling a cliff to escape when I saw the smoke coming from your house. Unfortunately, at that moment, I also lost my grip and fell. And I think the results speak for themselves. Abner came out of the kitchen with a plate in either hand. He put one in front of Elliot and took his seat at the head of the table. I may live alone, but that doesn't mean I can't be somewhat hospitable. Nothing helps the healing process like a good meal. Eat up. Elliot repositioned himself in the seat and took a big whiff of the dinner. It's mostly foraged ingredients. I hope you don't mind. Not at all. Elliot had almost forgotten what a proper meal even looked like. In his bag were a couple cans of soup or potted meat. Maybe he planned to maybe heat over a fire if he was absolutely sure there were no shamblers around. He took a bite of mushroom, and almost immediately his tensions from the day cleared up. That right there is what some people call chicken of the woods. It's a fairly common mushroom and a real treat when you can find it. Mmm. Mmm. And what is this? Elliot said, digging his fork into the food again for another bite. That's a cut of shoulder. I hope it isn't too salty. I was worried I wouldn't get any meat like this until after the winter months. I had to preserve it to last this long. No, no, it's perfect. You're too kind. Would you like another glass of strawberry wine? Oh, I... I shouldn't. Please. I insist. Abner returned with a large jug full of the red liquid. He uncorked the bottle and poured a generous amount into Elliot's glass. The two of them continued to chat long into the night. Elliot told Abner all that he knew of the outside world, and Abner patiently listened, despite the fact that he plainly had no interest in the topic whatsoever. I seriously can't believe you made it out here all by yourself. Well, I always have been self-reliant. Yeah, but if you can make it out here, then maybe we've got a chance after all. I, I can't wait to tell my group. Wherever they are. His cheerful candor was replaced with mournfulness, as the possibility that he may never see his friends again crossed his mind. Abner broke the silence. Well, it's no new society, but you're welcome to stay here for the night. I can at least offer you the couch and a couple of quilts to keep you warm. Really, too kind. I don't think I could ever thank you enough. Think nothing of it. Elliot finished his drink and hobbled to the couch. He yawned deep and long, pausing only to accept the quilt from his incredibly gracious host. Abner dimmed the oil lamps and made his way to his own bedroom. Elliot lay down on the couch and couldn't help but compare the comfiness of the couch to the secluded areas he and his group had set their sleeping bags. His eyes grew heavier until he peacefully drifted off to sleep. He was awakened again by the feeling of small drops of water hitting his face. Another rainfall, he thought, assuming for a moment that he was back with his group. The sound of something grinding broke his delusions, and he remembered the delightful evening he had spent the night before. As his memories came trickling back one by one, he remembered his leg. He didn't feel like there was any pressure on it at all. He tried to reach his hand down to feel it, only to be greeted by the sound of rattling chains. The sound of grinding stopped, and a heavy, shattered figure turned around. Ah, you're awake. I was hoping I'd be done before you were conscious. Where am I? Who are you? What's going on? Abner picked up some bloody fabric he had by his workstation and shoved it into Elliot's mouth. My goodness, you just don't stop talking, do you? You want to know so bad? This is my root cellar. It's where I process and keep most of my ingredients for long-term storage. I was just making some bone meal for my chickens. Thank you for that, by the way. 
Elliot made a noise of confusion before looking down, and through the mouthful of bloody fabric, tried his best to approximate a scream. Seriously, thank you again for stopping by. Like I said earlier, I was afraid I wouldn't have enough meat to last me through the winter. One good turn deserves another, I suppose. Your friend. The one who went looking for a new society. His name wasn't Matt, was it? Elliot stopped struggling for a moment to let out a whimper of surprise. I thought that might be the case. His name was on his belongings. Nice enough fellow. Definitely couldn't hold his drink like you can, of course. I'll be happy to know that he found what he was looking for and was on his way back to you guys. That was before he decided to pay me a social visit. I don't know what it is about my cabin that makes you all so curious. I am so used to going out and foraging for my food. It's nice when it comes to me. Anyway, I can't take the risk of keeping you alive. Thanks again for the chat. You're a great listener, by the way. Somewhere, at the base of a cliff in the woods, a shambling horde picks apart a small pile of bags, clothes, and other belongings. The most useful elements, batteries, knives, and first aid kits, everything that might help someone survive in these abject conditions had long since been removed and now sit comfortably in the kitchen pantry of one log cabin, while its sole occupant sips from a glass of strawberry wine. I still don't see what this has to do with the end, and what it may or may not have to do with horses. If it could happen to their society, it could happen to ours. Society? John, we literally live in a vacuum. We don't live in a society. I don't think we're going to have a zombie outbreak. No? Well, I was kind of hoping for more of a rapture-style apocalypse anyway. I may or may not have a preference for a robot apocalypse. And Doreen Wimbledon has collectively said that she would like some kind of animal takeover. It wasn't a vote! Besides, everyone knows that the correct option is imminent planetary destruction. Imagine for a moment that everyone you have ever known and everyone you may have known suddenly disappears. It's like survivors get times one million. Why not you? Uncommon Commons is a podcast. It was written and recorded by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Our theme song was composed by Charles Adam Robinson, and our logo designed by Sam Vitale. Our social media manager is Rebecca Tewksbury. Follow us at un underscore commons on Twitter, uncommon underscore commons on Instagram, or email us at zero nullstreet at gmail.com. Rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay. And remember, nothing is real.